Welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. How are you holding? You hope you're doing well. Um, apologies for this one. Well, if you listen to this the day it comes out, yeah, you know, see what happens. Um, apologies for it coming out a bit late. I was maybe out a few days ago, but, um, you know, stuff happens. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, anyhow. Hope you're doing well. Um, it's episode 64, which is the 64th episode. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. There's, you know, thank you for riding the train with me. Um, and if it's, just, if it's your first episode, and there's a chance it may well be, go back and have a look at a whole bunch of other um, episodes in the back catalogue. Uh, you know, if you if this is your first one, you might be into strife or will be free. Um, so there's a whole bunch of episodes from a bunch of other international guests, international from where I sit in here. Guests, uh, Bo from Avail, Ephraim from Death by Stereo, Tim from Ensign, last, end of last year did um, the Collar Brothers from Sick of It All, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff to check out, plus a whole bunch of really cool Australian stuff as well, so, anyhow, sponsors, let's, let's talk, let's talk about sponsors, look, first of all, actually really cool little collab sponsor thing today, um, Gringo Bandito world's best hot sauce you know it like you should know it by now if you don't and you're look, if you're in north america and you don't know it by now get to know it get hip to the program um basically type into the google's gringo bandito hot sauce it'll probably either come up on amazon or you can go direct from their website if you don't want to buy from amazon which is your absolute prerogative and i you know i commend you for your you know not, not the particular choice you made but you know your convictions you're standing behind um, so you can go to Amazon, get it from Gringo Bandito. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other retailers out there in uh, in the US of A or Canada that um, sell it. Grab yourself a bottle of hot sauce. It's the greatest hot sauce in the world. Um, and, you know, the, what, there's nothing more I can say about that. Like, it's just, once you're the best, you're the best. It's, it is what it is. Uh, if you're in Australia, you can get it from blastoffimports.com. Or you can get it on eBay, or there's, you know, you can actually. So here's the little link-up thing, collab, if you will. Um, Artists first, who, if you're in Australia, uh, you should know about them. They do. They basically have a whole bunch of official stores for labels and bands, both Australian and international. Uh, the day that I'm recording this intro, uh, they announced the new Offspring, uh, the new Offspring album. Let the bad times roll. Let the bad times roll. Um, and yeah, basically, if you go to Artist First, you can pre-order it. You can actually pre-order it with a bundle, which gets you a bottle of hot sauce, which is fucking red hot. And you know, you can you can listen to arguably one of the top. Look, if there was a Mount Rushmore of influential, or not influential, but like if there was a Mount Rushmore of um, 90s punk rock bands uh the offspring collectively you know would be one of the figureheads on said uh you know they'd be they'd be up there green day maybe um descendants no effects let's say that i'd probably stick with those four. Oh, but then there's bad religion so uh fuck i don't know anyhow hey here's a quick here's the thing what would what would you make the mount rushmore be of 90s pop punk pop punk you know air quotes um what would the Mount Rushmore be? The four bands for 90s pop punk. Hit me, hit me with your answers. Um, if you feel the need to, check us out at uh, 
My Age podcast on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but yeah, sorry, back to Artist First. You can get a whole bunch of really cool shit from there. You've got the new Offspring album, which you can you can also bundle with a bottle of Gringo Bandito. If you're in Australia, you can... Well, this is for Australia, of course. They've got a limited edition, which, look, the limited edition one is this, like, transparent orange, and it's kind of reminiscent to the super hot Gringo Bandito hot sauce. You know, maybe it was a coinkydink, but... Um, you know, maybe some strings were pulled and that's the that's the colour we got in Australia. I don't know. I, but, you know, all I know is that I definitely have pre-ordered it the moment it came out because I'm a sucker like that. Um, there's a whole bunch of other cool shit there. They have the official Fat Record store, Epitaph store, and a whole bunch of really cool, again, international and Australian bands that you can buy shit from. Um, obviously, part of the Podbelly network. Uh, if you've got a podcast idea and you're not sure how to get it from your mouth to listeners' ear holes, go to podbelly.com there's a whole bunch of cool information um, yeah, just a whole bunch of cool information on how to get basically best practices uh, what, interf- what interface to use what microphone to use how to do it all kind of where to, where to stream it from where to have it the podcast itself sitting in uh, you know that kind of thing So, and there's a whole bunch of cool podcasts on there as well so go check that out there's a really really cool podcast called Art and Jacob Do America who just two two guys from Bakersfield. I just pick a topic and just kind of talk about a topic. Um, but it's 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 really enjoyable because it's um, how'd you put it? It's just two blokes having a chat and um, talking about talking about things and their spin on it. It's just it's really it's nice. It's a nice listen. And they always have well not always. Every once in a while they have really cool guests. Sometimes they do it with just the two of them. They did one recently with. Um, Justin, whose last name I can't remember, who played in Some Girls and Locust and I'm sure there's a bunch of other bands, but I can't think of. So, yeah, there's that. Check that out. Check in it. Check them all out. Um, look, if you think this episode's worth a dollar, feel free to send me a dollar. PayPal.me slash podcast. You don't have to. Um, it's always going to be free. It's never, um, you know, payment is never necessary. It's always appreciated. It kind of helps he, he helps keep the uh the digital lights on i'll put it that way um but you know you don't have to this is a little passion project and that's all it's ever gonna be because you know for when did i start this 2017 i think so I'm doing, this is my i'm you know kind of hit my fourth year which is a bit exciting you know um so yeah I, look I just want to say thank you as well. If you've enjoyed this, if you've enjoyed any of the episodes, cool. If it's your first time and you enjoy this, then I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just rambling now. My guest today, Andrew Klein, um, I discussed it briefly in this episode. Um, the podcast is based on songs that were influential to you at different points of your life. If you've heard this, if you've heard episode four, you'd understand that. If you haven't, then this is what it's about. Um, and Strife one of those bands definitely one of those two bands at a particular point in my life Strife and Avail where I was into a particular kind of music and I still am to this day um, let's just call it mid-90s punk rock um, still am to this day but I remember seeing Avail with Labour and I remember seeing a video the video for Blistered by Strife on the cinema I'm pretty sure it was cinema beer nuts um, video and just going what the fuck is this this is a whole nother level of fucking wild times 
Um, if you haven't seen the video for Blistered or you haven't, you know, if you listen to this, you probably have. If you haven't seen it in a while, go check it out because besides the fact that it's probably not the best quality because it was recorded so many years ago or whatever, and like it's probably not, it was obviously wasn't recorded in 1080p or whatever. The song and the film clip itself fucking stand up so well. So um, go check it out. So Andrew, you know, Andrew's a fantastic human. I really appreciate him giving me the time because he's a very busy man. He's in my he in my mind is the he's DIY. He everything he seems to have done starting as far back as when he was in year nine and started Strife, which is fucking mind-blowing unto itself. Everything seems to be a DIY, like for him personally, a DIY thing. Um, you know, he started a cl- we talked about it, he started a clothing label, he is a uh, a uh, real estate agent. Um, he just his guitar, like the things he does with playing guitars is fucking amazing. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic chat and I fucking, I really appreciate it. Um, so go listen to Strife if you haven't already, but you probably have. If you if you have, go listen to him again because the shit dates really, really, really well. Age really well, actually, I should say. Um, go check out World Be Free. You probably have as well. Um, they released a EP on Revelation Records last year called One Time for Unity, which uh, features Chuck, Chuck Reagan, which is a bit exciting. Um, but they've also did a full-length album called The Anti-Circle back in 2016. So, yeah, go check it out. Thank you for listening this far. Thank you for listening to me kind of ramble on. Uh, I really hope you did the episode. Cool. Actually, before we get into it, sorry, one quick last thing. Apologies for keeping this so long. Um, got new music from a band of, you know, older gentlemen. I shouldn't call them older gentlemen, but, you know, elder statesmen of, hard, of Melbourne hardcore. Um, the band is called Fatigue. The song is called One Take. They've got a five-track, um, let's call it a demo. Oh, it's a demo, yeah. Which was recorded in 2019, but only kind of just came out, which is, yeah, it's cool. I guess I'll plan to do stuff with it. Um, and then COVID hit, so they kind of held back on it. Um, yeah, you can find, if you like it, fatiguexmelbourne.bandcamp.com. So fatigue, then an X, not the X, obviously. FatigueXMelbourne.bandcamp.com um, Five tracks, pay what you want. It's fucking brilliant. I really, really liked it. It was just a nice, yeah, it was nice isn't the right word, but it was just, it was good. It was fun, but it was aggressive and it was fast. It was heavy and I hope you dig it. Cool.
Alrighty, uh, with me today, all the way from sunny California. I'm assuming it's sunny California because it always, it's pretty much always sunny there. Yeah, um, more or less, more yeah, or less sunny California. I like it. Um, Andrew Klein from such uh, seminal bands as Strife, uh, Well Be Free, and more recently, Birth Old City. Uh, yeah, Birth Old City. How are you, mate? Yep. Good, good. good. How are you? Very Thanks for having me. Thank you for thank you for yeah thank you for coming on. Um, look, we'll start this how we kind of do them all. Um, I guess tell us about your parents. Like, are they? You you seem like you've always kind of been in California. Were they native Californians, or did they kind of move there from a young age, or what's their kind of story? Well, neither. So um, I was actually born in New York. Oh right. Okay. Um, I was, yeah, I was born in Manhattan. Um, moved to California when I was a, a little kid. Uh, so both my parents are um, native New Yorkers, and and. Me and my sister are native New Yorkers, and my brother was actually born in Israel. Right. So my parents, um, they they moved around quite a bit. They, they're both from New York. Um, they lived in in Spain, like in the in the sixties. They lived in like uh, Ibiza, which is like a party city now, but at that time it was like a little artist hippie area. Um, and then. We're back in New York, had my sister, and then they moved to Israel. My dad was a was a computer engineer, and he, he had some sort of work out there. So they lived in Israel for a number of years. My brother was born there, um, moved back to New York. I was born, then they moved to um, California. So I, I, I've lived in California since I was, you know, a baby, like before I was even one year, one year old. So, yeah. um, but that being said... I had a lot of family in New York, so we would always, you know, go back to New York quite often. Yeah, cool. Did, um, did they move out for work, or was it just a, a better place to raise a family? Um, probably a little of both. Yeah, uh, you know, probably a little of both. I, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of every New Yorker that I know. Um, you know, once they visit. The West Coast, they want to, they want to stay here. You know, it's like can't beat the weather, and and and, you know, my my dad did end up working here. You know, like, but I don't know if that was his reason. I don't think he moved here for a job. I think he moved here, then found a job, and and then you know, um, but you know, I I I think I, I love New York, but you know, I definitely there's definitely some some pluses to living in california that you can't have on the uh east coast and, and the weather is one of them yeah absolutely absolutely so were they like were they very musical kind of growing up was there much music kind of going on around the house or wasn't there, there was there yeah. was um so they were kind of like they were kind of hippies i guess in a way like they went to woodstock for instance wow. so they were really into music they really loved like the beatles and the rolling stones and Janis Joplin and jazz music. Um, my dad actually had a huge record. I, actually, my dad's record collection was bigger than mine is now. So he probably <laughs> okay. had, I don't know, thousand records or something. Yeah. And and um, it, it was interesting because he never played an instrument, um, but he had a very vast musical knowledge. So. You know, we could be listening to jazz on the radio and he can identify the players by by the sound. So he'd like, oh, that's Max Roach on the drums. He's not a drummer, but he's like, oh, this is Max Roach and whatever. This is Charles Mingus and this, you know, but and he could tell 
by their playing, which is very interesting. As a kid, I didn't think anything of it, but that's actually pretty amazing skill to be able to, that's a, you know. That's a fantastic identify. skill. Yeah. Yeah. So he was very into music, obviously, um, just not musical. Yeah. And okay. yeah, and, and my mom was also into music, I'd say a bit less, though. Um, you know, a bit less than um, than he was. Did you ever, and t- he, you know, he. Sorry, go on. What's that? I was going to say, did you ever. He, yeah, sorry, no, you go. Let me, you go. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had, you know, but, and he had a very vast. Um, record collection it wasn't just like oh it's rock and roll yep. it'd be like you know Ravi shankar actually my sister was named after Ravi shankar who's a um indian sitar uh, player yeah yeah sitar yeah yep. um so my sister's name is Ravi, named after him wow. um so world music rock music jazz music blues um you know basically all types uh reggae um, and he would, you know, there was stuff that I could play for him that he would appreciate, you know, like if I was going to ride in his car and like, Oh, I want to listen to stuff. I would make like, like a, a tape that just had like bad brains, reggae songs. Right. Yep. So I'd be like, yep. Oh, cool. We're going to listen to this. And he's like, all right, cool. He's totally fine with that. That's awesome. Or, um, you know, like when, when Iceburn tried to get more experimental and, and did like the jazz influence stuff, I would play that at the house and he would be like cool with it like you know awesome. which is pretty cool did did you ever like have you ever talked to him about Woodstock like that's a pretty I mean there are a lot of people there obviously but like it's a pretty cool thing to kind of have on your resume as a parent to be like yeah, yeah I was there like do they have stories from it that kind of you know, with you, or? you know what I don't like yeah I know it's something my, my, my dad passed away like probably 10 years ago okay. so it's not like something I asked her. I could ask my mom maybe I will ask my mom next time I talk to her yeah. um see what she remembers. I mean, probably they were smoking weed and don't remember much. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure how much they, you know, how much they would recall, but uh, I'll ask my mom and, and see, I just know it was something like, you know, they, they like, they would always, especially my dad would always go and see live music. So when he was in New York, he would go to these crazy jazz bars and see all the jazz greats. Um, playing in little room you know what i mean yeah. or like the beatles whatever it was like it was something he he did i remember like every holiday my my parents would put on a beatles record and we would all sing i'd
my favorite Beatles song but like you know we you never think you're gonna be 64 and and time keeps on ticking and, <laughs> and then you're getting getting closer every year yeah um so that that would definitely be the song to uh kind of sum up that so were you uh were you like were you into the Beatles at an early age like did it click for you yeah like, yeah. like I would say they're one of my definitely top favorite bands of all time yeah cool um suit and, uh, suit and tie era or like multi no no i i don't like that at all yeah I, the beatles once they started doing drugs getting experimental yeah um you know revolvers sergeant pepper but when they were like a boy band i i don't it weren't buying care it. for that yeah I, that makes sense i don't care for that at all but probably the white album uh would be my favorite yeah awesome fantastic so you've got um you've got an older brother. Is your sister older or are you middle or you older? Middle? Yeah, cool. Okay. So were they kind of a big influence on you coming up? Um, you know, as well as your parents, like being a bit older, they've kind of they're a bit more ahead yeah. culturally and that kind of thing. I would say definitely my sister. My sister was like, you know, in the eighties, she was like a a new waver. So yeah. she was like into all like the, you know, she loved like Duran Duran and the Cure and. Um, you know, she had like the crazy hair sprayed hair. Like if you watch like Valley girl or whatever, any of those movies, like that was like my sister. Right. So she was like really into, she was into music. Um, but at that time, like all the eighties, like kind of new wave bands. Yep. Um, later she kind of like, um, segued into like Prince and, um, stuff like that. Um, and she had friends around her that were always into music as well. And, and, you know, some of my earliest music purchases, like I remember I bought my, my sister Beastie Boys License to Ill, probably like when I was in sixth grade, I bought her, bought her the record for Christmas or something. And so she obviously was into that. I ended up probably taking that because I was really <laughs> into them. Yeah. Uh, fifth and sixth grade. Um, and even later. But, you know, I got into them like... In fifth grade, I remember I auditioned uh, for the school talent show, me and a buddy doing Paul Revere. Um, we didn't get 
selected. Um, we didn't get it selected yeah. probably because of the lyrical content, <laughs> yeah. which we had no idea what it meant. At That'll the time. happen. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember I, bu- I like I brought my brother um, Easy E Easy Does It on CD. I don't know, probably seventh or eighth grade, like when he, you know. So that was like some of, some of the early uh, music purchases were for for them um you know my brother's a little bit into music uh, he's a lot into music but i think my my sister was just a little more because she was older was a little yep. bit more advanced in some of the stuff she listened to and kind of uh exposed us to yeah sick so what like how were you kind of getting music from a younger age like was um was mtv a thing when you were kind of like was mtv on the radio yeah. when you were younger yeah yeah so i when we grew up, we didn't have like a uh, cable TV, so we d- we didn't have TV. But I remember being a kid and going to my friend's house, and he did, and he had MTV, and I would just like we'd turn on MTV and just we thought it was so cool. We'd just watch it for hours. So we would skate and um, watch MTV, and um, you know we were. I started skating and like probably sixth grade and that probably was what um led to my taste in music reading thrasher magazine and yeah uh hanging out with other skate kids so like the first tapes i bought um for myself was like um like uh depeche mode a broken frame which could have been an influence for my sister i'm not sure yeah and then corrosion to conformity technocracy and then from there, was that on like, some? Was that on a video, or what made you get that? Because I mean, they're pretty. Diverse. It must have been in Thrasher. It must have been. All oh, right. Okay. Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I, I I got that, and then from there, you know, it just went from like, you know, whatever he's in Thrasher or written on kids' skateboards. So bands with logos like DRI, right? Yep. You know, like the DRI logo. You know, whatever. Seven seconds. Suicidal tendencies. Yeah. Excel. Descendants. Um, so, um, started really getting into that. And then, um, what was your, before you go was, on, what was your parents take on all this? Like, were they ultra conservative and not to, I mean, cause no, you know, yeah, no. No, they, were, they were down with all music. They didn't care. Yeah. They yeah. didn't, I mean, they didn't care what I was, I was listening to, I, I, you know, they didn't have to listen to it. If they didn't like it, they, they wouldn't listen to it. They didn't care. You know, I have my own. I had my own stereo in my room. I'd listen to what I wanted, and um, they wouldn't care. But, yeah, Bad Religion, Circle Jerks. Um, and then, um, you know, we – so for, for junior high school, which here is seventh and eighth grade. I don't know what it is in Australia. Um, we had, like, a little skate crew, and so we would all, like, skate to school, and we'd all listen to music and trade tapes and – at that time, uh, my parents got divorced at the end of sixth grade. And, and so when my dad moved, my next door neighbor was like an older punker. Uh, he was maybe I don't know, 10 years older than me. And he had like a giant record collection. So thousands and thousands of records. So I'd go to his house and he'd be like, oh, cool. Take these five records and, you know, bring them back and I'll give you five more. So I'd go through his record collection and, you know, he had like Agnostic Front, Victim in Pain, um, Negative Approach. I mean, he had literally had everything. It was like 
punk, reggae, two-tone, ska, a um, lot of hardcore stuff, um, and just like classic, classic records. So I would go to his house and borrow records, take them home, um, dub them on cassette, return them. And, you know, so I got a lot of um, really hard to find um, music from him, like whether it was like the, the FUs or the Freeze or um, Necros, like I said, Negative Approach, Agnostic Front. Um, and then eventually later, um, when I got into Operation Ivy from him. Yeah, cool. Um, okay. Yeah, which was, you know, which was awesome. And then later I – Was there – sorry, before you go on, was there like a local spot you could get these records from or did he just – was he just finger on the pulse with like – Oh, no. He, 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 like, he played drums. He was in a punk band, uh, kind of like a garage rock punk band. Um, yeah. That's actually – I found him uh, um, some of the recordings on YouTube uh, kind of recently because I was like, oh, I wonder what they sounded like. And I, it's actually really good. It's a band called um, Scratch Bongo Wax. Scratch um, Bongo Wax. Bongo Wax, yeah, and they right. didn't do too much, but they released a couple of records, and and uh, it's pretty cool, like garage punk um, stuff. It's, it's actually really really cool. So, um, yeah, so I think he was just like, I don't know if he was mail ordering. I don't know where he got his records, but definitely didn't get them from where we lived. Yeah, like right. we lived in a very small town where it's like we had like a at the time is like Music Plus and Warehouse Music, where you could get some of the bigger name bands. But you couldn't even really get vinyl. Like you could go and you know, at the time it was mostly cassettes and um, CDs. Yep. And you could find band. Like I would get stuff like you know the Discord stuff, like Minor Threat, Fugazi. You could find um, all the Frontier stuff. So like Circle Jerk, Suicidal. You could find Seven Seconds. Um, so the you know the bigger names you could get. Yep. Um, all the SST stuff. Black flag. So I, I got all that early on. But they weren't but they weren't they weren't to, commissioning like local bands or anything. Like they weren't No, yeah. and if you're trying to do like a deeper dive, you're not finding anything yeah. that wasn't really on a, a, a major label or distributed by a major label. Yeah, so, okay. Yep. Um But eventually so through him, once I graduated from once I started high school I kind of figured out like, oh, I'm more into like these New York hardcore bands. And then I had a friend who was about a year older than me who, who um, was also into hardcore. Uh, he was actually straight edge at the time. And um, he, um, he had a lot of records. So, you know, we were getting into like Bold and Youth of Today and Sick of It All and Judge and right around... Um, that same time I'm meeting like Sid who played drums in strife. Like he moved to thousand Oaks from Riverside and he was into, um, he was into punk, uh, punk and hardcore. Like I think I, I think I met him in probably like eighth grade. And he had like, uh, he lived next door to my friend. So we we're outside skating and he came out and he skated we started talking about bands and he had like the minor threat live at buff hall vhs so he let me borrow that and we kind of connected over music um was there a moment before you go on like you said you you had a met a friend who was edge was straight edge a thing to you at the time like was it like did it 
was it something you were contemplating or something like a foreign concept or what was the story with it? Because you're you're still edged now. Yeah. So yeah. like in, in in like eighth and ninth grade, uh, eighth grade. No, I didn't even know what straight edge was. Like yeah. obviously, I like I knew Minor Threat, but I knew the song. I didn't really like understand the song. You know, it, it was yeah, it makes song. sense. Like, yeah, wasn't like there was no straight edge kids. Yeah, like it wasn't like like. It wasn't really like a... It wasn't a movement yet. It was still a song. No, not where we were. I mean, yeah. we were in the suburbs. Yeah. So, like, like when, you know, for instance, when when I was in ninth grade, we, we ended up starting Strife. So, we were straight edge. We, 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 we were a straight edge band. We knew what straight edge was. And in my town, Thousand Oaks... So, I lived in Thousand Oaks. I went to Thousand Oaks High School. Sid and Chad went to Westlake High School, um, which was the next town, and Rick lived in Moore Park. And in all those three cities at that time, there was probably seven straight-edge kids, or, like, <laughs> counting us in the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there wasn't, like, a straight-edge scene. Now, yeah. now, when Strife took off and we started playing and, you know, built a following, like, there was probably, like, 50 straight edge kids at each high school, yeah. you know, but that didn't exist. Like that didn't exist till probably like, you, you know, you guys started happening. Yeah. But we started happening. And even once I, we left high school, then, then it got bigger and then there was other bands and, and whatnot, but it wasn't like, Oh, there's straight edge bands in my town. There was no, like yeah. the closest thing was like, there was Stalag 13 from Oxnard. Yeah. And they were long broken up. You know, but that would be the closest thing to a uh, uh, strange band from our town, you know, at that time. What you're starting a band when you're in year nine, and it's that fucking blows my mind that the band can kind of has it. You know, it's been a thing for what nearly thirty years now. Thirty years, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. Um, what were you kind of what were you going for when you first started? Like, what what was the, was there a blueprint, or was it was it just like let's just go get loud and see what happens? Yeah, so I was like fourteen in ninth grade and we start going to shows. Um, so like our first, my first show was at the country club in Reseda's about 30 minute drive. Uh, my first show was, um, circle jerks with, uh, neurosis and no effects. Wow. Um, that's pretty good. And then like from, yeah. And then from then, like we'd go to every show. So like, like, you know, we saw Circle Jerks, we saw MDC, we saw Bad Religion, we saw Instead, and then it was just like, you know, we were really, I was really into this, you know, Strain and Hardcore and the New York Hardcore band, so we got to see, like, Agnostic Front, um, 
1990, that was one an early one too. Yep. Um, Judge, Gorilla Biscuits, Chain of Strength, and Fast, and this these were all semi local, like a thirty minute drive. Yeah. Um, not 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 in a major awesome. not in a major city. Yeah, I was still. In, it was in the valley, yeah. uh, but we weren't going to LA, and it yep. was still like you know I was fourteen, so I was like, okay, I could try to find a ride. Yep. it's not too far away. I could sleep at a friend's house, um, and then um, you know from there, like you know, and it, it was basically like me and Sid, and then we actually met Rick in line um, for a Bad Religion show. We were in line for the show, wow, and maybe we had X's on and, and he's like, Oh, you're straight edge. I'm straight edge. And at, at that time, you know, Rick lived just one town over, but we had never met him. Yeah. And he was in a band called the monster club, which was like kind of mi- misfits, uh, inspired like punk band. Yep. Um, and they later on, once Rick left, they turned into a band called still life. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they were like a kind of emo, uh, band on abolition okay really really good band um but totally not you know you wouldn't think that like a member of strife would have came from that band band, yeah um but yeah really good um emo band um so rick was like oh i'm straight edge too and i think at that time like he saw the members of his band were kind of going a different direction so he's like you know i want to start something and so that was kind of how the whole conversation started um, and it was actually with Sid and him and I didn't really, I had a guitar, but didn't really play guitar that much. Yeah. What, um, what made you buy it? If you, if you didn't really play it that much, like, was there, was it just like well, someone, so, was it secondhand or? So when I had that skate crew in like seventh and eighth grade, like we kind of had like a, um, an idea of a pretend band. Like we had this idea, like, <laughs> oh, awesome. we're going to start a punk band. Yeah. And it was like, one of our friends was going to sing and someone else was going to play drums. And I was supposed to play bass, but I bought a guitar. Like I was like, oh, I want to play guitar. So, but we never had a band, but we just talked about it. There so was I an remember idea. like, yeah. And, and it's like, I played it, but it was just like, I never played it in a band with somebody. Like I sat in my room. I remember like, and I learned the, you know, one day I was like playing my guitar and I was like, oh, I'm going to learn, you know, playing along with the first Bad Religion record. And I learned the entire Bad Religion record just uh, Before you along. go on, because like, you know, obviously there's no internet, rah, 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 so there's no tab sites. And Bad Religion wouldn't be the kind of thing that they'd write tabs for in a guitar magazine. No. It was all, you were just all by ear, just tune up and ha- just do it by ear. Yes. Is that how you were doing it? Yeah. That's fucking. That's, but they're very simple songs too. Yeah, well, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, anyway. I mean, very simple or songs. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, I just sit there and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn this one. I'm gonna learn the next one, and I did that to like a uh, instead record, like Bonds of Friendship. Okay, I'm learning every song. Like, so that's kind of like how I learned to play. Like, you know, previously I had a few guitar lessons. Like, and I remember like the, the teacher taught me how to play like. Fade to Black from Metallica, and, yep. you know, a few few songs like that. So I, I had an idea what I was doing, um, but um, kind of just like, oh, I don't want to take lessons. I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, cool. So, but also previously I did like growing up, I did play piano and took piano lessons and I, I, uh, 
played trumpet. I, I was in the school band. I played trumpet, and I, I was in the drum line for school. So I did have some musical chops, kind of, or understanding something, yeah. uh, some understanding, like you know, that probably allowed me to figure out how to play. You know, figure out these songs was, by ear. It wasn't was, like I just picked up the guitar for the first time. I was like, "What's this?" And you know, yeah, not like a was, prodigy. It was like was trumpet was playing trumpet like a um was it like hey we need a trumpet player or like was it something that kind of you had to do because it was part of you know your I have no idea yeah, right. I literally <laughs> like that was in like sixth I think it sixth grade I, I don't know I think sixth grade I started the trumpet I don't even know where we got the trumpet like I have no idea my like I I got a trumpet and my brother got a flute and so uh, well, okay. we like, played trumpet <laughs> I was in the marching band like in seventh grade and then so, I stopped playing trumpet. So Strife could have been I a ska played, band. If, if things had gone could, differently, Strife could have been yeah. a ska band. I mean, yeah. Um, and then I did the, I played the timpanis and the drum line. Um, and then I stopped, yeah. you know, yeah. but I think it was like, you know, probably my parents encouraging me to, play an instrument yeah that makes sense and my dad my dad liked jazz so he'd probably say you're playing the trumpet he's playing <laughs> he's the, flute. the flute. I, I have no idea <laughs> that's yeah. awesome fantastic um so you i've I, I from memory i think like i've heard a story that you were touring pretty early like during is that like you were kind of I mean, obviously not heavy duty touring but like you were touring whilst you were doing high school while you yes. were in high school mm-hmm. yeah how did yeah. you how did you juggle that and again your parents were kind of how did they view they that? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, early, like we started playing shows when I was in ninth, ninth grade. Yep. Um, and then, and, and where we were, it's just like, we would be like, you couldn't just play. There was nowhere to play where we live. So it was like, Oh, we're driving to Riverside three hours away to play a show. Yeah. We're driving to San Diego, like, you know, three hours away without traffic you know, could be on a Friday four or five hours away. Jesus. Um, wow. you're, you're, yeah. You're, you're playing in long beach, you know? Um, and we would just do it and we would do like little weekend, you know, everything was on the weekend. I'm, I'm sure. Yep. You know, we were, we were playing this place called Macondo in, in, in East, um, Hollywood. And, um, that was it. And, 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 you know, we, w- we would book some of our own shows. Um, but yeah, our, my, my parents were cool and they, they didn't care as long as I wasn't doing anything stupid. They, they didn't really care. And then our first East coast run was, must've been like 93. So okay. I was still in high school, my senior year of high school. And we did like a long weekend. Um, we flew out and played like Boston New Jersey and I think Syracuse. And so I missed like a day or two of school to do that. Um, what do you, what are your friends? What, what are your, not, I guess your friends understand it, but like, what are people that like your classmates thinking of you doing this? Cause that's pretty wild to be in high school. I don't even think they, I, I don't even think they knew. Like, wow. Okay. I don't think they knew what I was doing. Like, like, I think there's people that were like, kind of like in my crew They they like, it, you know, they knew and some of them probably would fly out with us, you know what I mean? But like the average person or teacher, they didn't know what, you know, they had no idea what we were doing. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then, uh, um, our first 
full U.S. tours probably started like like ninety four. Like once the record, you know, before One Truth and as it's coming out yep. um, is when we start touring like full time. Being a first, being so young and being a first band um, in Strife, like, how did you know what you were doing? Or you didn't know what you were doing? You're just kind of going on. Yeah, yeah I had no idea what we were doing. I, the, the good thing was, was our drummer Sid, um, he played drums in another band before us. He was in a band called SDI from Riverside, their, uh, Society Defeated by Ignorance. Okay. And um, they had played a lot of shows. Like, they played with Agnostic Front and. Um, bands like that they played you know there was a pretty legendary place in Riverside in the 90s called Spanky's Cafe and he had played there a number of times so Sid kind of knew what he was doing like he was already a good drummer and he kind of knew what he was doing and he had an idea of music I think before playing drums he was like DJing a bit so like okay, he, he really had an idea of what music should be like i guess rick was in a band i had no idea what i was doing but play the guitar a little bit when we got chad in the band he couldn't even play bass yeah you know what i mean so we're just <laughs> yeah. winging it um and i think we we kind of had like an idea of like okay like all the bands that we like are broken up like youth of the day broke up bold broke up chain of strength broke up so like those were the bands we loved. Um, you know, we love sick of it all. We love killing time, uh, vision turning point. So like all of our favorite bands aside from sick of it all, like we're no longer a band. So we're like, we want to do something like that. And so we, we kind of had a, the direction, right. Uh, judge. And, and then, you know, we saw bands like, you know, you'd look through, zines or whatever or records and you see these crazy you know legendary photos of bands jumping around and going nuts or you know you see like band like chain of strength or at the time we were really into outspoken um and we're like we want to do that so like 
we wanted to be a band where it was just like we would play, we would go crazy, and we would play the music that we loved. That you know, a lot of those bands were weren't bands anymore. So it was like those were the bands we were into, and um, and that's kind of what our direction was, you know. Um, but at the same time, we were all we weren't just like oh, we only listen to straight edge bands like we were never like that like we you know we like i said we met rick in line at a bad religion show we loved circle jerks and dri and bad brains and bad religion and mdc like like we liked all of you know the punk bands and we loved suicidal and excel and crossover bands and corrosion and conformity so like i think also you would you know, while a lot of bands in the nineties went slow, we kept it fast. You, you know, you mentioned Strife kind of built that built your own scene locally. Was there, mm-hmm. was there any particular moment where you went, wow, this is something that, I mean, I, I guess you probably never thought you could make a quote unquote living from it at a young age, but like, was, was there ever a point where you're like, I can, I think I can do this for a few years. Like, was there? Well, it, it was funny. Yeah. So when we first started, like, we were like, oh, it'd be cool to play a show with a band that we like, yeah. right? So that was like our first goal. And then it's like, oh, it would be cool to put out a 7-inch, right? Put out a 7-inch. It yep. would be cool to um, go on tour. And, you know, like one of our first U.S. tours was with Sick of It All. Like we toured with them a lot. We went to Europe with them. Like, But, you know, we never had like, like, I think now, like, bands haven't mapped out. Like, oh, we're going to record our demo. We're going to put it on Bandcamp. We're going to go to Europe. Yeah. We're going to go get on. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it's much easier. But then it was just like, you couldn't contact anybody. We didn't yeah. know anybody. We're little kids. You couldn't get on the internet and meet people. It's just like, oh, we're going to do this thing. And um, I think we we're very lucky. Uh, you know, people were trading uh, VHS tapes and, 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 you know, somebody from the East Coast saw a video of us playing at actually Sid and Chad's high school. And, you know, they shared it around. And, and um, you know, I, I think also, so we met, uh, we loved Outspoken. So we met Mike Hartsfield from Outspoken. And I think at that time, like, you know, we were, we were young kids, but um, we would go to a show and we would bring... 10, 12, you know, we'd bring three carloads of kids to yeah. any show we went to. So if we went to go see Outspoken, we're like, we're going to be three carloads of kids and we're going to go crazy, right? Yep. So eventually when Strife started playing these shows, it's like, oh, I'm going to put Strife on that bill because they're going to bring 15 kids and yeah. they're all going to go nuts. Like, why wouldn't you put us on it, right? Like, yep, absolutely. Like, why wouldn't you put us? So that that totally helped in in our favor. Like, And I think like even like, Mike wanting to put out our, our seven inch on new age was more about like, Hey, these kids are cool. They, they have like a, a, a scene of young kids, you know, way out in the suburbs. They bring a lot of kids to shows like, sure. They're not, maybe not the greatest band, but maybe I could see this turning into something. Right. Like yeah. that's kind of how I, kind of how I see it. You know, he, he took that chance on us and, and, you know, and, and kind of grew from there. Um, you know, and after we, you know, we did a seven inch with him, we did a seven inch on indecision. And then I remember being at home at my mom's house and I got a call from Tony victory asking us to be on the, um, the only the strong comp. Yeah. Right. 
do, had you you'd obviously gone like he had he seen you before because you went to he there, that's Chicago yeah and you went you only went to East Coast he's Chicago we actually met him we we played with even score um maybe in 90, 91, I want to say um we played with them um at Spanky's and also at uh in Long Beach so we we did meet him yeah um but we weren't like didn't stay in touch or stay friends um but yeah so he he called us up and asked us to be on that record and that was really like the turning point yeah right because i guess that that kind of opens the doors to a whole bunch of other fans of fans of bands who may not who may not have strife on exactly yeah. exactly and you know that comp had you know warzone snap case um, Resurrection had, had a bunch of bands. It was uh, widely distributed, yep. and you know, I think our track was one of the standout tracks on the comp. So people like, oh, did you get that comp? Oh, the Strife song, right? So like that totally helped for us, and that was like our first, first like big song or whatever. Like you know, when when we did the East Coast tour, we did that comp, and we did the It's for Life comp, which was basically. Uh, all straight edge bands, a lot from the East Coast, like Mouthpiece. I think it was Flagman. We had Unbroken, Mean Season, um, Reveal, uh, a few other bands. Um, but so those two comps came out around the same time. And then when we went to tour on the, you know, on the East Coast in 93, those two songs were like our most popular songs. Yeah. So both of those comps really, really helped us. And, um, definitely the turning point for the band yeah fantastic so the I, I guess like i got on board with strife um i'm a few years younger than you what was the comp called um fuck anti-matter no cinema beer nuts oh a lot of people okay I should yeah that. cinema nuts. i, I want to <laughs> say more people discovered strife through that comp than probably any other comp and Basically, because it was all punk bands, and we're the—I mean, us—and if you considered AFI like a hardcore band at the time, but, you know. So, like, if, if you had never heard a hardcore band, you probably put that on. And you're like, "Holy shit, what is this?" Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. Um, and they did a um, a VHS version. So the, I, well. I so bought the, the VHS CD. before I bought the CD. Yeah. And I just yeah. remember watching, it going, "What the actual fuck is this?" Mm-hmm. Like it is, it it's. It's it stands out like visually and sonically above everything yeah. else on that video, and I love most of the stuff on that video, but like that was like where did this come from? Yeah, yeah, but but it, it, I think it was really the fact that we were so different from everything else. Yeah. Either you're gonna love it because it was so different, or yeah. hate it or because it. it was so different. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those two. But you know, like the video. Yeah, I love that video. The video is is great. It's striking. It's memorable, and then you know the song as well. So like, it all still stands had, up too, which I think is amazing. Like that that song, you know, um, in its defiance, is, is stands up really well. But like that particular song, yeah. If you played it as someone a, a nineteen year old hardcore kid who had no idea, you'd be like, oh, this is this is this, and they wouldn't think, yeah. oh, this is what 20, 25 years old or what you know, however, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're pretty fortunate um, that even like a band like Terror is one of the bigger bands in hardcore because they've, they've 
play a pretty similar style that we do, right? Yeah. So like that them being popular keeps our music current. Yeah, has helped right? has helped at age, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, if if every band if the modern hardcore band if everything sounded like Code Orange, for instance, yeah. or, or whatever, then we'd be like, oh, this is that old shit yeah. from the 90s. Yeah. But like, <laughs> the fact that like there is a band like um, Terror, who's at the forefront of the hardcore scene, and bands like Madball still playing, and yep. and even like a younger band like Magnitude or Eco Strike, like, um, that keeps our sound current. So I, I would say... So when we were when we were um, working on in this defiance, um, we were getting into um, a lot of bands outside of um, outside of hardcore. So okay. we were like really into the Deftones. Um, we just toured Europe with Sepultura. Um, I was really into like Fear Factory. How did the Sepultura thing come about? If you don't mind me asking, like because it does like it, it doesn't seem like you know, I don't from where like in my mind it makes sense, but at a time when like that time it, it almost doesn't make sense. yeah like, like it, you, you guys shouldn't have crossed really paths. Yeah, yeah. So it's a crazy story. So we had a show in um in arizona and um it was us and this band called eyelid from where we live and i don't remember who else yep. um and so we play the show it's not great there's maybe a hundred kids there um and i remember i at the end of the show maybe our roadie had a fire extinguisher and he's spraying <laughs> a fire extinguisher crowd like kind of crazy as you do and i remember we're packing up the our, our our stuff um afterwards and whoever was selling the merch was like hey andrew come here uh one of the guys from sepultura is buying some shirts and he wants to meet you and it was igor yeah so at that time um max was living in arizona i think igor was was maybe living there as well he was either there or san diego he lived at both places um and Igor's drum tech, this guy Kishi, was really into hardcore. Um, he lived in Brazil. He's like a Japanese-Brazilian dude. But he was really into hardcore. And Igor was also into hardcore. But I remember Kishi somehow like got Igor into Strife. And, and I think Kishi may have even told Igor, like, this show's in Arizona when you're there. Go buy me a shirt. Like, he <laughs> yep. wanted the merch. Yeah, yep. And so Igor went to the show, and it was buying the merch for Kishi. Um, and maybe for himself, I, I don't really remember, but I know Kishi took, had a big part in it. Yep. And we met Igor there. We became friends. He, actually, he must have lived in San Diego because we we stayed in contact with him, and we'd go and hang out with him. And um, we went to the. They played the first Oz Fest. We went to that. Um, maybe right when Roots came out, and then um, they had a a tour booked in Europe, and literally like. It seems like a week before the tour, we're like we need somebody to open the tour. You guys want to come? Or like, yeah, like, wow. <laughs> how do we make this happen? <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like there was no advance. We're like, yep, we're going. Yeah, and we had to figure out how to get to Europe and and travel. And you know, the shows were insane, like um, well, soccer arenas, well received. Giant. Were you well received or kind of like in, yes, yeah. 
like um, because the metal yeah, because it, the metal crowd is like that way inclined, or like did you win them over, quote unquote? I think it was both. Okay. I, I, you know, I think some of the shows were just so big, and and so many people were there that people were like, "Hey, we're gonna party and have fun, and yep. this band's fast. We, we don't care." Yep. But also, like, we're like, "Yo, we have something to prove. Yeah. We got to fucking kick ass and 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 play our hardest to win these, you know, win these." kids over these fans over but we were playing like like i remember we played in in czech republic and that day uh sepultura got a gold um a gold record for roots they so we went to the ceremony for that and they got the gold record in the press conference or whatever and then we played to like nineteen thousand people in an arena (laughs) and and you know a few of the shows we'd be loading out and like Kiss's crew would be loading in their gear, like because Kiss was for the, the next show night. the next like, night. That was like four, four yeah. of the shows. Yeah, that was like four <laughs> shows on that tour. Um, so it was crazy and like a whole nother level from what we were used to. Um, and awesome, like such great guys. Like Igor's one of my best friends um, still, and yep. you know I'm still you know still see some of the other guys as well, and um, like you know life changing experience
I guess a lot of people would know you as the guitarist in Strife and songwriter in Strife, but um, you also obviously do uh, World Be Free and mm-hmm. Berthold City. Like, do you want to just yes. talk about that? Like, if that's not jumping too far sure. ahead, by like, if that's cool, yeah. Like, um, how does yeah. that come about? Because they're three. You know, they all fall under a hardcore, um, like the big umbrella that is hardcore, but like they're also three distinctive sounds. Yeah, and that's kind of the goal. Like, yep. I try to write stuff where it's like, it can't, I can't write songs that sound like Strife for Berthold City or We'll Be Free. So each band kind of has to have their, their sound. And, it, you know, they will tend to cross over. But I think, you know, we when we started... Um, we'll be free like we didn't want it to be another terror another strife another judge right so we're like okay let's do something that's a little more fun a little more upbeat more melodic at times right um and that was kind of the goal with with we'll be free um whether it was like you know the first album I, i think it was we definitely wanted to be somewhere between like Minor Threat and Gorilla Biscuits, like that was kind of the goal. Like DC okay. hardcore in the um, in the early '80s, kind of leading into New York hardcore in the mid to late '80s. So that was kind of like our goal um, on the first record. Um, you know, kind of some Dag Nasty influences, some GV influences, and then I think in the the, the next record, you know kind of like okay what would be the follow-up to that and then we're like looking at records like uh bad brains eye against eye or quickness or you know we're kind of bands made a different different turn yeah maybe there's a little you know so it's definitely a little more aggressive um there's still some melodic elements um but i would say there's like a heavy bad brains influence a little more um of that late 80s early 90s sound yeah um as well how, how do you and how do so you that, juggle that in a like in a in a pre-covid world when you were getting all that together because it's it's i've never seen it penned as a like hardcore supergroup, but in essence it's a hardcore supergroup. yeah i mean it, it's a bunch of people that have been in if you listen to hardcore that have been in bands that you like from yeah. other hardcore bands right yeah. so like as much as that's a super group, like I, I, I mean, super group's a like horrible term. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like it, it, it's 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 five friends who are playing music, and all of us have happened to be in bands yeah. before, and you know, which makes sense. Like, but like, so I mean, how does the how does the touring like were you doing strife at the time you were doing will be free and like. How does the touring clash? Yeah, with well, and, you know, like and all that kind of stuff. N- none of none of my bands really tour that much, where okay. it was an issue. I think really it's like, okay, we want to do World Be Free. We got to work around Scott's schedule first because he's course. the busiest. Yeah, yeah, he's touring the most. And then next, okay, Sam, you know, when Sammy have a free window, or we would hop on like some, you know, we did like an East Coast run with Judge. You know, Sammy's like, oh, I'm gonna be here with Judge already. Like, let's yeah. get World Be Free. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of be the thing is just kind of Scott's schedule is the hardest one to pin down, yeah, or easiest but less free time, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of the thing, and it, with Strife, it, it's you know we don't do that much, so it's just like whatever, we'll, we'll I'll figure it out, yeah. Um, and then with Berthold City, it was kind of um, 
I was writing some songs that were, you know, more traditional, hardcore. And really, that was kind of me being frustrated. Like, you know, I was looking for a singer for a while. I had some ideas and kind of just getting frustrated with the singer having control of the band. Like, you know, if Rick doesn't want to play a show, Stripe's not playing a show. You can't do it without <laughs> it's, Rick. It's, or like, yeah, same you know. with Scott, you know, and, yeah. and we'll be free. So I was like, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to see if I could do this um, and make it work. And so, you know, I, I wrote the, the, the demo with our drummer. You know, I played everything and, and, and drummer played drums. And then I was like, fuck it. I'm going to sit here and make, you know, sing these songs to make them work. Um, did you did you think you had there, it in you from the start? Or, like, was it something you went into with a bit of confidence or just like, there's no other way. I have to do this if I want to make it well, exactly how I want I it. Said, or? Um, I was like, I kind of approach it where you know what I'm going to give it, give this my best shot, and if yep. it sucks, then I'll go back to looking for the yeah. singer, right? <laughs> yeah. But like that was kind of it. I was like, fuck it, let me just see what I, you know, what I could do. You know, I, I did try singing before, like years ago when we started anger means originally that was going to be me and Sid, Sid playing drums, me doing all the instruments and I was going to sing. Yep. And I, at that time I just was not prepared, uh, to do vocals. Um, and now, you know, it takes a lot of kind of training to, to get your voice to a spot where it just doesn't blow out. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, recordings changed a lot where it's, you know, a lot easier to punch in, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so once I did the first song for the Berthold City, I came out great. I was like, awesome, I'm going to do this. And every time I do vocals, it gets easier. And plus, you know, once you play shows and it yep. gets easier. And, um, and then once we recorded that, I was like, all right, cool. I want to make this a band. Like, let me find a lineup. So there then, you, we, you know, we found a lineup and, and made it work. Um, yeah. And that's like a totally, again, it's, you know, it's, it's a hardcore band, but it's kind of a different, different approach and different sound. And, you know, we're working on a, uh, our LP right now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So we're, we're about music's done. I'm like halfway done with, with the vocals on the LP. So I hope, hopefully get back in the studio. Um, are you next week? Your um, some more songs. is it like, are you kind of at the helm of the production side of it or do you hand that off to someone else? So Nick uh, Jet from Terror, is oh, of course, that. yeah, yep, um, yeah. So um, you know he's been super helpful for Berthold City. Uh, you know he's he did an East Coast tour playing drums for us. He's filled in on guitar at a <laughs> bunch of different shows. Ultimate pocket um, knife, and yeah. So like, so like working um, on the album with him was perfect, uh, especially you know in COVID. So like, I was able to like you know, demo all the tracks with him on drums, work on the arrangements with just me and him, which yep. is obviously much safer than, you know, a full band. Yep. And then, you know, um, just made, made the process really easy having him able to play, you know, play drums on the demo and work on the arrangements with me. And, and like I said, yeah, now we're just, just finishing the vocals. So hopefully that'll be out. Um, I don't know end of summer yeah cool like that. fantastic yeah so if you don't want me asking how like how did the real estate thing come about and do you get many people kind of 
pointing at you like with like, I think I know you, I think I've seen you from somewhere before. Do you get much of that ever or like do the, are the two worlds pretty separate? Um, no, well, okay. So, so I, I had owned my own business for a very long time. Um, I had a, like a streetwear store, streetwear and sneaker store for about eight years. And then, you know, I started my record label. So I, I knew I wanted to be my own boss and real estate is kind of one of the few jobs where it's like, you still work for yourself. So like if I wanted to leave tomorrow and go on vacation or travel the world for two months, I could do that. And nobody's going to question me. Okay. Like you yep. can't do that in, in, in any other job. Like, sure. I might have some clients that are like, Hey, what's happening, but I could figure it out. Yep. Um, so you really are your own boss. And it's just, you know, I needed like a more steady income and I'm like, Want, you know, I thought it would be interesting. And actually, you know, growing up, my mom had done real estate for 30 years or whatever. So um wasn't something I had always thought about doing. But um I started doing about three years ago. I had an idea. I was like, hey, I'm going to do this and got my license, started doing it. And, you know, I don't think I've never had somebody like randomly like, hey, I recognize you. No. Yeah. But I have worked with people from the hardcore scene. Right. Okay. So like. I've sold houses um, to like one of the guys from the band, this band called Justice League. Um, they were, uh, they basically, Justice League became Chain of Strength. Okay, uh, right. Yeah, Chain of Strength was a Justice League song. So like Ryan from Chain of Strength was in the band and, and Chris Bratton played drums in the band at, later on. Um, so I worked with one of them um, and I've gotten referrals for other people in the hardcore scene. So there is some crossover, but it's also like, of course there is because like I'm responsible for my own business. So I'm going to work with people who know me and trust me. Right. So like, of course I'm going to, I I, I sold a house. It's a funny story. There's actually a lot of hardcore kids in real estate. Right. Yep. Um, One of them is uh, Taylor from four walls falling. He lives in Richmond, uh, Virginia, and he's a very successful real estate agent. And we, you know, online we'll joke around about a hardcore and real estate and whatever. But like, it's kind of crazy. Like, I, I I sold a house in Burbank, and my like listing appointment wasn't really a listing appointment, but it was like, I'm, I I talked to him at a leeway show. Like, yeah, right. You know, after the show, like <laughs> That's awesome. this, this guy, he's like, oh yeah, you're in real estate. I'm I got a place in Burbank, and and I'm looking to sell. You know, and I had, I had known him before from shows a little bit but that was like that was my like official like okay uh, i'm thinking of selling like and then you know met up i sold this house and you know he's straight edge kid uh so there is crossover yeah cool um but also it's like i work for for compass they're like one of the best brokerages in the in the nation um and i work for one of the top eight agents in all the united states as well um so like it's a real thing too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not oh, like, no, no, no. I completely get it. Yeah. yeah. It's not a, it's not a, yeah, like a, a, what do you call it? A, um, yeah, a, a, hus- a side hustle. It's, it's the real no, deal. Yeah. 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 So, um, and it's cool and it's cool. And actually I randomly, some, some real estate agent started following me, um, on Instagram recently and his little icon was like a descendants logo thing. And he's like, Oh, I'm a do real estate in San Antonio. I love your band. It's so cool. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's um, So there is some crossover, and, and, and there are a lot of hardcore kids 
in real estate. Like um, Tim Owen from Jade Trees in real estate. Um, I think Norm from Texas the Reasons in real estate. There's a lot of there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. But I think it all goes back to everyone somehow still wanting to be their own boss. Yeah. <laughs> like you right. know what I mean? It's like that DIY ethic. It's like yep. cool, I can do this and, and, and make a living. I'm still my own boss. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's why. That's amazing. Mate, has is there anything I've missed that you kinda, you know, think you should talk, like throw in there? Oh, and I really um, appreciate this, by the way. I, again, this has been fantastic. I hope I hope you've had fun as well. Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, not really, not really. Is there anything you think you missed? I wanted to like I wanted to ask you quickly, but I don't know how it kind of fit it in. You did that. Um, I was just looking at Discogs a couple of weeks ago, and I saw that. Um, Cross my heart and hope to die. Yeah, cross my so, heart and hope to die. What What was that, and how did it come about? Because it had was it someone from Cypress Hill, or am I making that up? Yeah, it's DJ Mugs from Cypress Hill. Um, it's my friend Brevi on on vocals and me, and um, we had like an art side to the project. And um, so my friend Sean Bonner, who he's actually a hardcore kid too, he he used to run Toy Box Records. He was part of it as well. Um, and basically, so I released, um, I started producing hip hop probably, I don't know, mid, mid two thousands. Um, and so, um, I think the first, the first actual song that was released was, uh, with Send Dog from Cypress Hill. Well, um, and, and then I worked with Send Dog and his brother is Mellow Man Ace and they had a project called the Reyes Brothers and I had a song on there. And then I started working out of Be Real from Cypress Hill Studio and I, I um, ended up producing a whole record that I released as well, which had people like uh, Be Real was on it, Raskas, Freddie Gibbs, Planet Asia, Sick Jack and from Psycho Realm. Um, a lot of really good, a lot of really good rappers, Apathy, um, Ryu from, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of others. Um, and so that was something I was getting really into, um, was producing. Yep. And then, um, I started hanging out with Muggs. He had his own studio. And he he kind of had this idea. He wanted to do this like kind of like a dub record, and and asked me to kind of like make some songs for it. So yeah. I was like, all right, let me see what I can do. Yeah. And I started making some songs with Brevi, the singer. And I, so I I did like two songs with her singing, brought them to Mugs, and he like really liked it. And so we're like, hey, let's do this. Let's turn this into something, right? So let. Let's not do this on this dub record. Let's do like a band. So we we started a band and we released um, two records. And you know we we wanted to be kind of like a more than just a band. So we had like a whole whole art element. Okay. And um, our first show we did an art show and live show, and that was at um, Shepherd Fairies Gallery in L.A. Wow. Uh, subliminal project project yeah we did a full full art installation art show and live performance um 
and it's really cool. Um, it's totally, totally different than what I'm used to. And, um, you know, more, I'd say like heavily influenced by Portishead, Massive Attack. Okay. Um, you know, more modern band would be like a band like Fantagram. Um, but you know, like Muggs was, was a huge influence on like Portishead for instance. Right. So kind of makes sense. Um, and so, you know, I was working with him, I was running his clothing brand for a while and working with him in the studio. Um, so we would work on music all the time. He lives right down the street from me. What, actually. What, what's his clothing um, brand or what was his clothing brand? Uh, soul assassins. Oh, okay. You're all right. Yeah. So yeah, he still does that. Um, yeah, and so we did that for a number of years, and you know, I thought it—I definitely thought it had some potential to get really big, but then it kind of just fell apart, as things do. Yeah, and it's all good. Um, definitely a, a fun project and some really cool music. So, if uh, any of your listeners are into stuff outside of hardcore, give it a listen. I, it should be up on uh, Spotify or YouTube or somewhere, whatever. Somewhere. Fantastic. And actually, so we did a video. Um, we did a video for a song called Miracles and you can check it out on YouTube and that was filmed in Rome and so circling back to hardcore but um, it was actually um, I worked with an old friend his name is Inti Carboni he's, uh, he produced it um, with another director and, it, and he's a hardcore kid from Italy who I met on our first tour with Sick of It All in Europe he did merch <laughs> for Sick of It All back then so that's you know, some full like, circle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So definitely full circle. And then bringing Sean into the fold to help with some of the, the art and, and stuff. Um, he worked at victory for a number of years as the art director. So, um, it's really cool bringing him in and, um, you know, still, uh, you know, keeping my friends involved in, in different projects like that. Incredible. And, and so if we were, are talking about other bands, so, you know, I told I told you we started this fake band in in oh the, in the high. skateboarders yeah yeah yeah. So later on, at the end of high school, I actually ended up uh, playing in a band with the kid who was supposed to be a singer. That that band was called Turndown. Okay, and that was, um, you know, it's the Descendants themed uh, podcast. This was he- heavily influenced by Descendants, all really? Dag Nasty. It's definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a melodic, uh, melodic, um, you know, at the time it, people didn't call it pop punk, but, yeah. you know, like definitely like melodic pop punk. Um, we were all super into Descendants. We'd cover Descendants and all and, and Big so Draw Car. When was this happening? So this happened uh, we started doing this maybe like like 96 and we were banned probably through like 2002 well um we yeah we did a we were on uh do you know the snowboard company sessions Um, yes yeah yep yeah they're a big snowboard company and so we did um a few records with them uh we did a we did a seven inch and an album with them and then actually we ended up kicking out that singer and the singer for Fury 66 joined the band and we did our last EP with him singing. And, um, you know, we played a lot of like Warped Tour dates. We actually had a split CD come out in Brazil um, with um, with a band out there. Kicking um, out a singer is a huge move. Like It is. W- it, like- and it was like somebody we're, we grew up with and we we're super tight with. Yeah. Um, but, 
he just it, we couldn't we couldn't hang with his attitude anymore. So we're like, fuck it, Joe Joe, who replaced him had a a great voice and was just better attitude and more confident. And um, I really like the record we did with uh, with Joe as well. But that's something like like I said, it very heavily influenced by um, so turn down more melodic melodic turn down. Yeah, it's all one word. So. T U R N E D O W N. Oh, turned down. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't wait to check this and, out. What's that? I can't wait to check this out. Yeah, there's some stuff up on YouTube. I don't, I don't know. Actually, the record. I think a record with the first singer is on Spotify. Okay. Um. And um. We had some songs in like video games. There was a snowboard game called Amp. Amped, I think Amped. Yeah. Uh, I think it was PlayStation or something. We not only had like all, you know, we had like five songs in that, but we actually had the, the song in the commercial for that game. Was wow, us. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we played a lot of really cool shows, like bands like Pulley and 10 Foot Pole, At The Drive-In, Jets to Brazil. Um, we played some warp tour dates um it was fun and, yeah. and like everybody in it was like still my best friend like drummer's one of my best friends the, the other guitar players my best friend um so it's awesome that's a, that's amazing yeah and also full circle i just sold the drummer of that band and the guitar player of that band houses um last year as well so. <laughs> that's awesome there you go there you go bringing it back Mate, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I'm I'm stoked because, like, the, I, I guess, like the the thesis of this kind of podcast is like songs that really stood out to you. And as I said, you know, as we we're talking, like, I still remember a particular like a holiday I went on, and I took the I took the cinema beer nuts video, and I just like that strife song was just fucking incredible, and still is like. But I just remember, like that was a moment where I went, "Oh wow!" Like, I, I like, I still like this stuff. Like, I still like, yeah, whoever the fuck was on, like, you know, whoever was on that, whoever was on that video. But like, there's this new thing. There's this literally this new door that's just opened, and yeah. I can't wait to go headfirst into it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one of my favorite things going back to is, is we actually got a chance to play with the Descendants. Yeah. Um, Back when they reunited, I want to say they were a tour in like probably like '96. Oh, um, like as part of Everything Sucks. Yeah, yep. yeah, and it was uh, it was Descendants, Guttermouth, Handsome, and us. And so that was like I, you know, I grew up. I I love the Descendants. Yeah. Um. So that was like a really big, um, big show for me personally. Um. So that was really, really, really awesome. Yeah, and like when they reunited, they did like seven or eight shows in a row at the um, at the whiskey, and I went to every single one, <laughs> yeah. whether or not I had tickets. I was if if I couldn't get in, I was waiting outside. Just gotta I hang out and listen. Like, yep. Yeah, I saw like five of them, or, yeah. or you know something like that, um, which was really really awesome because they were definitely a band I never thought I would um, get to see. So, what do we got? What's the song that kind of Wraps up Andrew Klein in well now twenty twenty one. Kind of where are you musically? Uh, let's play one of the. Uh, let's play one of the new World Be Free songs. Let's do it. Check out. We just had a brand new, um, brand new record 
come out called One Time for Unity. Um, title track is called One Time for Unity. It features Chuck Reagan from Hot Water Music. Wow. It's actually a song I wrote. Um, the little, the most melodic one on the new record, and uh, one of my favorite songs that I've been a part of. I really, really love this song, and I think it's uh, a message we all need for this new year, right? Yeah. Like, unity is more important now than than ever so yep um yeah let's let's end this one with a with a positive vibe and a, and a cool song Captain.
desperate But I got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And the long stem rolls Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody 
Tower Door.